Last year, about this time, I apologize if you weren't here, um, I challenged us all to intentional hospitality. And man, did y'all step up big time. It was so cool to watch you worship together and watch you pray together and pray for one another, to watch you do chores for one another, to watch you care for one another's children, to watch you give each other rides, to watch you finance each other's needs, to be a part of, of a community that not only celebrates together, but struggles together, to watch you guys encourage one another in your walks with Jesus, to be able to be a part, as your pastor, to be able to experience that, to be encouraged, to be inspired, as Jesus did his thing in you and through you, was truly something to, to behold. And as we move into this next ministry season, I want us to build on that momentum, right? So we were focused on intentional hospitality. And um, I was on vacation last week. And like the second morning of my vacation, I was praying. I was just spending time with God. I wasn't trying to pray about anything specifically. And I felt like God was impressing upon me. Um, this isn't like, God said this. This is like, I feel like this is a, you know, I feel like God was impressing this upon me as um, a way to communicate what the elder team had already decided our focus for this coming year would be. We want to take that intentional hospitality and we want to extend it outward. And this very pithy little statement, hospitality, <laughs> right? Say that with me, hospitality. Very good, thank you. And the three E's, right? Empowered by God, encouraged by one another to extend ourselves. And if you are observing carefully, and if you've been around for a while, you might say, well, that looks and sounds a lot like look up, lean in, and reach out. So look up, lean in, and reach out is very intentionally supposed to be, for you math people, an equilateral triangle. Right? It's supposed to be very balanced. This year, we are going to really focus on the out piece, on extending ourselves outward. And I've, I think I've said this to us as a community before, but it, it almost fully requires extra effort to extend ourselves because um, looking up to God, leaning into one another, those things, not always, but most of the time, are, they're easier. They're comfortable, right? But to extend ourselves can be difficult. It's going gonna, it's gonna to require us to, to reach out, to step out, and if, if we don't extend ourselves, we will, um, you know, we receive from God, we receive from each other. If we do not extend ourselves, we lose that ability to continue to receive, both from God and from others. We will become a social club that not only lives in the past, but not to be morbid, but also dies in the past. Right? If we do not extend ourselves, we will, um, we will fear change instead of embracing it. We will hoard God's blessings instead of seeing how many different ways we can share them. So this year, our focus is going to be on this extending ourselves to others. So this morning, I'm going to cover a lot of ground. I'm going to talk about being encouraged by God or being empowered by God, being encouraged by one another, 
and then how that plays out in, in extending ourselves. And as we think about being empowered by God, we talked a lot the last couple of weeks about this passage in Isaiah chapter 6, and um, verses 1 through 8. It's Isaiah having a vision being in the throne room of God, and he recognizes who God is, and he recognizes in himself and the people and his people who he is. God is perfectly holy, 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 and him as a sinful man from sinful people. And we kind of, we focused on the holiness aspect of God and how in awe Isaiah was. What we didn't talk about was the recognition, right? The recognition of who God is and who he was, what that led to. The next two verses, verses seven and eight, God says, who will go for us? Who shall I send? And Isaiah says, I'm here, send me. The recognition of who God is and who we are should lead to mission. It should send us outward. It should send us to, to other people. We're empowered by God when we think about Jesus and his power. In John chapter 13, it's the Last Supper. And there's a line in there, verse 3, where some people interpret it as Jesus became fully aware of all his power. I don't think that's actually right. I think that Don was just reminding us of how powerful Jesus was. And the very next thing that Jesus does with all that power is wash the disciples' feet. He takes the place of a servant. Fully aware of all the power at his disposal, he takes the lowliest job that none of those other dudes were stepping up and doing. They all knew somebody had to wash everybody else's feet. Nobody else was doing it. Jesus laid aside his power and washed the disciples' feet. Power will lead to service. Power exercised on behalf of those who have little or none to do those things for themselves. And then the, the last part, uh, in the pretty famous passage in 1 Corinthians where it talks about the spiritual, spiritual gifts, it says the gifts are given for the common good. Every person in this room who is a follower of Jesus has at least one gift. And God has given you that gift he has empowered you with that gift for the good of others. Not for self-promotion or self-aggrandizement or a book deal or a million followers, right? It's so that we could serve other people. And the illustration is that of a body because I'm not gifted the same way that Gabe is and Gabe's not gifted the same way that Catherine is and Catherine's not gifted the same way that Brian is. But when we come together, we can get a lot, a lot accomplished for the kingdom of God. So um, I would encourage you to do one of, one of two things. Um, we just celebrated Galaxy's dedication, right? And that was a decision that David and Amanda made. And when Galaxy grows in her faith, or anyone else for that matter, grows in their faith to a point where they want to make a personal decision, a public declaration of a personal decision, we encourage you to be baptized, right? And in baptism, what we do is we recognize our need for Jesus and his ability to meet that need, our need for forgiveness and his ability to meet that. We identify with his death and resurrection, right? Going under the waters of baptism, we die to our old sinful self and we rise in his righteousness, which is given to us. And then we commit the rest of our days as best as we can to living with like and for Jesus. 
That's what baptism means. So if you have not been baptized or if you're relatively new to the things of Jesus and you're like, and that your heart is kind of fluttering, your breath is getting a little short, could be the Holy Spirit kind of like, this is, this is for you. And maybe this is a type of thing, like I was raised Catholic and I was baptized as an infant, but I was also, I don't know what the right term is, rebaptized as an, as an adult because I felt like it was important that I make that public declaration, that I do that for myself. So if you're in that spot, I would encourage you to talk to me, to Pastor Leanne, one of the elders. We'll also get some, um, some forms up on, on the website so you can just let us know that you're interested. Um, somebody else has already talked to me about baptism, so we'll be doing a baptism service in the next uh, four to six weeks would be my guess before it gets too cold to get wet outside. The other piece of that, if you've already taken that step, if you've already been baptized, I would encourage you, one of the greatest exercises, and I've done this, I don't know, maybe three, four times in my life, is to write down your experience with Jesus. And a really simple way to do that is a spiritual timeline, right? The vertical axis would be highs and lows, and the horizontal axis would be time. And you just kind of plot it. Right? And you can put some points on there and maybe write some stuff underneath. If you're more of a narrative kind of person, write it out for nobody other than you and God at this point, right? Because we're talking about extending ourselves. Because I'm going to challenge you over the course of the year to share that story with other people. But it's good for you to remember the work that God has done in your life. Because that story is a story that nobody can argue with when you go to extend yourself out with. Out out without sorry all right encouraged by one another we are created relational beings we need one another right second page of the bible genesis chapter two it's not good for man to be alone so god will create god created a helper for him god took the adam right humanity and from the adam he made the azer like razor. That's what it sounds like. And it gets translated in a lot of different ways. But primarily, it's helper, right? And I want to read you definition of, of that. And so God created woman to be an azer, to man. But this word, translated as helper, is not about making brunch and darning a man's socks. This word means an ally or a rescuer, someone who comes running when the people cry out for help. An azer drops everything to save those in need. An azer is a hero, 21 times in the Old Testament, that phrase is used. Two times of the people of Israel, once, or, and two times of Eve, and then the other 17 times of God himself as the helper, as the rescuer. At a high level, that verse tells us that we need each other. We are not capable of living with, like, and for Jesus, of reigning and ruling with him, like the original creation mandate, without each other. We need each other. We need to encourage one another. And the very famous Jesus poem in the book of Philippians chapter 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. We need to not sit around and look for other people to encourage us first. When I do premarital counseling, when I talk to people about marriage, if you want to guarantee that each person's needs are met, you take 100% of responsibility for meeting the other person's need. 
and they take 100% for meeting your needs, your needs are going to get met. If you sit back and like, uh, somebody else will do that. Might not that might not happen. Right? That's the kind of way we need to invest, and that's the next thing, invest in each other. Romans chapter 12. Mourn with those who mourn. Celebrate with those who celebrate. Be deeply, deeply invested with one another. Right? Spend time with one another. Make decisions with one another. If you've got a big life circumstance coming up, don't go headlong into it by yourself. Look to the people sitting around you. Maybe somebody a little bit older or a little bit more spiritually mature. Maybe they've walked that road before. Odds are they probably have. And listen to what they have to say. Be deeply invested in one another. When it comes to encouraging one another, there's two practical steps I want to give you. The first one I would like you to consider is membership. God is, God is funny, right? So I knew I was going to talk about baptism. I knew I was going to talk about membership today. A week ago, somebody came up to me and you know, was talking to me about wanting to be baptized. Yesterday, I got somebody's membership paperwork, right? It's just like, and I didn't ask for that. So that just kind of was, was there. So it was very, very cool. And when, I, when we talk about membership here at Crossroads, it's not like membership at a gym or a country club. You don't pay dues for privileges. Membership at Crossroads is a relational commitment to the people sitting in front of you, behind you, to the left, and to your right. You are committing yourself to help them live a Jesus-centered life as best you can, and that's what they're committing to you. And um, we can... You know, we usually have a, a sit-down with one of the church leaders, or if there's enough people at the same time that are interested in membership, we'll do a membership class. So again, please talk to me, um, or again, same any of the church leaders, if that is something you're, you're interested in at this point. And just the phrase, keep going. All that stuff I listed at the top of the service about how y'all responded to my call to intentional hospitality. Keep doing that. Do that this week. Send somebody an encouraging text. Let them know you're praying for them. Invite somebody to coffee. Right? Go for a walk. Go golfing whatever, but just go spend some time with somebody from Crossroads. Ask them how their life with Jesus is going. Just keep doing the things that you're already doing. All right, here we go. To extend ourselves. This starts with the acknowledgement that every single person you meet, no matter what they look like, how they act, or where they're from, is created in God's image. Not only are they created in God's image, but they need God in their lives. Not everyone will say, I agree with that. But if you watch their lives, they are pursuing something to either find their identity or meaning or purpose or how to live. God has the answer to all those things. And people try to fit other, other things in, in his place. To me, that's evidence that God created us, and he created us to be in, in a, a relationship with him. So with that mindset in mind, we're, th we're going out, right? We're extending ourselves to others. And I want to start with the verse in Corinthians where Paul is talking to this church about why he does the things he does and how, how he does them. This is chapter 9, just a couple of verses. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law. All right, so God's law, scholars tell us, is think the Ten Commandments. Don't kill, don't steal, don't sleep with your neighbor's wife. Like the, the big ones, morality in general. 
traditional Judeo-Christian ethic. But I am under Christ's law. Galatians 6.2 tells us that Christ's law is to carry one another's burdens. Right? It's back to that relational thing. So Paul is under God's law, he's under Christ's law, to live an upright life, a righteous holy life, while he is helping the people around him. He does those things so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all means, all possible means, I might save some. So uh, there's this old illustration. I looked for a source. I couldn't find it. Um, but it goes something like this, and it starts out, sounds like a joke. Two priests and a bishop are traveling, and they're welcomed at their destination. And they go inside, and their host pulls out the best bottle of whiskey that he has, and he offers it to them. And the first priest says, no, no, I can't. I'm a good Christian. I can't do that. Second priest says, no, I, you know. The bishop sits down and drinks with the host. And when they leave, they're like, Bishop, what, what are you doing? He's like, well, somebody had to act like a Christian. He accepted the hospitality. And if you remember, at our, um, our annual meeting, I talked about the idea of reverse hospitality. Right? Of, instead of, of expecting someone to acclimate to your traditions, to your customs, to the way you do things when they come to your house, when, they, when you go for a walk with them, when you do coffee with them, you open yourself up to them and you meet them where they're at like the bishop did, like Paul is doing here. Doesn't free him, right? He can't, he, the, the, the guardrails are morality and Christ's law that keep Paul from going off the rails. And I'm not like, if you know you have issues with alcohol, I'm not, don't, please don't take that. Tom said I could go drink, right? That's not the point. You missed the point. Um, but it's this idea of giving everything we have for the sake of somebody else and being able to lay those things aside that we might otherwise not. All right. Oops. as we think about extending ourselves, it's shaped by a lot of different things, primarily stories that Jesus told. And in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is talking about when things are coming to an end and who's going to come with him and who's not. And the people that he identifies are, as those he's going to call to him are those who fed the hungry and gave something to drink to the thirsty and clothed the naked and went to visit those who are in prison and welcomed the foreigner. But those are the people that Jesus identifies with. He says, whatever you have done for one of the least of these, you have done for me. So as we think about extending ourselves, it's extending ourselves to the people the world would rather forget. It's just easier to not deal with those with addiction issues, those with mental health issues, those who struggle with, with financial resources. It'd be easier to leave them behind, but Jesus says no. Jesus didn't come and identify with kings and rulers of state and business magnates. He identified with the marginalized and the oppressed. That should shape how we extend ourselves. Luke 10, 25 to 37, pretty famous passage, the story of the Good Samaritan. A man is walking to his destination and he's beat up and he's mugged and he's left half dead, half naked, bleeding. A religious leader comes upon him as he's walking the same trail, steps around him, goes on his way. A second religious leader comes upon him, sees him, steps around him, goes on his way. 
A third person comes along, a Samaritan, somebody who could not be any more different than the injured man, than the victim of this crime. Somebody who was not supposed to socialize. Somebody who was thought of as less than. Somebody who was thought of as other. This person stops, possibly putting his own physical harm at risk. This guy just got mugged. Who's not saying the, the guys who jumped him aren't still there? He stops. He tends to the man's wounds. He cares for him. He, out of his own pocket, he puts him up in a hotel, tells the guy to take care of him. Whatever expenses he incurs, the guy would, the Samaritan would come back and pay for him. It will call us, to extend ourselves means calling us to people who are different than us. People who we might disagree with, people who might even want to do us harm. That's who we're to extend ourselves to. And that next reference there, Matthew 9, it cost the Samaritan, right? It cost him financially, could have cost him physically. And Matthew 9, Jesus is questioned by the religious leaders for having dinner with sinners and tax collectors. It could cost you your reputation. Somebody could look at you and be like, why is Gabe talking to those people? He shouldn't be talking to those people. Right? It could cost you. It will cost you. It will cost me. It will cost us. Even it may just be a, a certain level of comfort that it costs you. But that's what it means to extend ourselves. And the last, re- last reference there is Jesus talking to his disciples and he's saying the harvest is plentiful, meaning there's lots of people out there who need me and who want to know me, but the workers are few. People need to go into the fields and harvest. There is a sense of urgency when Jesus and is sending us out when we extend ourselves. Hospitality, even my goofball spelling of it, is based on the word hospital. If you're at a hospital, things are urgent. I don't know about you guys, but I do everything I can to avoid going to the hospital. There's got to be a sense of urgency about how we reach out. One last point on extending ourselves. This is, this is um, the book of Acts. And it's from Paul's address on Mars Hill. So he's talking to a bunch of of Greeks who don't worship Jesus, don't know Jesus, don't know the God of the Old Testament. And he's trying to explain to them this God who, um, that he is is promoting. And what we get out of it is, is a lesson about how overarching God is. And in, in, in his sovereignty and in his sending us. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. My interpretation of this is God has got you. God has got you where he wants you, when he wants you, and how he wants you. That means your unique personality your unique gifting, your unique wiring, your unique set of life circumstances, both good and bad, your financial resources, where you live, where you work. God has something for you to do exactly as you are with the people that you are around every day. This is not my call for all y'all to quit your jobs and go into full-time ministry. I just had lunch with a guy, the exact same thing happened. He read that harvest is plentiful verse, and he's like, 
it's time for me to leave ministry and like go, go work out in the world and share Jesus out in the world. The, the urgency and the uniqueness with the way that we go about doing this. There are seasons of life that will give us greater ability to go, to go further, to go deeper, to go higher. There are seasons of life that will be restricted. There are seasons of life when we'll be weaker and we'll be stronger. There are seasons of life when we'll be around different people. This could feel overwhelming, but this is not a call for everybody to become a super extrovert street corner evangelist. This is for you to get up tomorrow morning and do what you did on Friday morning. Know that Jesus is with you and know that he is empowering you and you are being encouraged by others to extend yourself for the sake of God's glory and the growth of his kingdom. So if I were going to wrap all that up in one phrase, here we go, you ready? With everything that you have, go to the least, go to those who are different, go knowing it will cost you, go as you are uniquely created and currently abled, go empowered by God, encouraged by others, and go now. You guys are going to hear that a lot over the next 9 to 12 months. So I hope you liked it. Um, In terms of the practical steps, just like I gave you for being empowered by God and encouraged by one another, we did connection groups in the spring. We're going to do three-week extend groups in the fall and beginning to, to middle October. And we're going to meet just like we did, but we're going to, it's going to be a little different. We might meet at Stern Village and prepare dinner for the residents there. We might meet at the Bridgeport Rescue Mission and do something there. We might do something with Sterling House. They're going to be intentional efforts getting us out of these four walls and into the world so that we can serve and, and share Jesus. And then, again, so um, our rhythm throughout a regular month is we do a couple of sermons and then we do some discussion and we do some relationship skills. During our discussion week, we're going to do regular check-ins and training about how we become people who extend hospitality. Everybody better say it that way, right? That's, if it doesn't come out that way, you're not doing it, right? All right. What's that? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. All right, so here's the, here's the very last thing. Movements like this never happen without prayer. So daily, multiple times a day, however often the Spirit prompts you, I want you to pray for opportunities to serve. I want you to pray for opportunities to share Jesus, and I want you to pray for the other people in this room knowing that they're doing the same thing. <clears throat> I, don't, I don't know if I've ever done that, right? I've been lead pastor for five years or whatever, something like that. I don't know that I've ever done this. I'm gonna ask you if you're able to stand, and I'm gonna pray something over us, and that will be kind of like our ending and our dismissal, all right? We do that? All right, here we go. May you leave this place today in the knowledge and hope that the God of the universe deeply loves you. His Son, Jesus Christ, has freed you from the powers of sin and death, and that God, the Holy Spirit, goes with you wherever and to whomever you may go, extending them hospitality. Amen.